Thank you, Dr. Pollard. Uh, I've actually asked Dr. Pollard to come here. He is introducing me, but I'm going to interview him. As you heard him say, he's a glutton for punishment. Yes, he did his Mass of Divinity. Then he went on and did his Doctor of Ministry. That wasn't enough. He has finished his MBA. Now he can converse with his wife <laughs> on other matters. And he is just completing a PhD in New Testament studies. And so he is a student of the Word. Dr. Pollard loves the Word. He is, of course, a preacher, administrator, and I got to know him better, even though we, our paths crossed at Andrews. I got to know him better when he came out to Zimbabwe on a short-term mission project. Yes, Both Dr. and Dr. Pollard were there, and we, our, our paths crossed, and Amen. here we are again with our paths crossing. So, let me ask you quickly. Sure. Yes, uh, Dr. Pollard. What are you studying? What's your research all about, in a nutshell? Now, I've only given him seven minutes, so you know, we're going to move rapidly here. <laughs> we're going to move quickly. Okay. Yes. Uh, I decided us. to study a topic that you would probably not, you, you would not even imagine that, that someone would not do this, but there has never been a dissertation done on the remnant in Revelation. Hmm. So I decided to do my doctoral research on the remnant in Revelation. Uh, tell us a little about it. What is there? Is this, a, you know, we know that early Adventists began to see the concept, the word, the remnant. Is, is it a misunderstanding or is it there? And, and what is this? Tell us. Okay. Um, first of all, the concept of the remnant is not a fabrication of okay. the early Adventists. Uh -huh. It's not a fabrication. Um, anyone who objectively reads the Bible, and they, I could give you the names of hundreds of scholars, many of whom are critical scholars, not even faith-based scholars, uh -huh. critical scholars who have identified the remnant idea starting from the Old Testament, working all the way through to the New Testament, and then finally culminating right. in the book of Revelation. So this is not a fabrication. There is solid biblical, and what we would say if I were talking to scholars, exegetical evidence, mm -hmm. certainly, for this teaching. Good, and that's the term I used last night. I said, don't be an enthusiastic eisegete. Yes. Be an exegete. exegete. Amen. Find it in the Word. Amen. That's right. Now, now, one another question is very important. Revelation twelve seventeen. I want to just focus on that for a moment. Sure, okay. How does that contribute to the identity of the Adventist uh, movement. How okay. does it contribute to that? In what specific way? Okay, first of all, for, for those of us who are Adventists today, and if someone is visiting, this is like a Bible study. Um, but if you are an Adventist today, first of all, we it does contribute to our identity right. in very important ways. But also, we cannot focus in on 1217 to the exclusion of other passages in the in Revelation, I was going to say the Apocalypse, in Revelation, <laughs> that, that tell us about the remnant. For instance, there's there is uh, the word remnant occurs three times when it occurs to the when it applies to the people of God in okay. the book of Revelation. The first is in Revelation chapter two, verse twenty-four. Mm. It's in the context of Thyatira and Jezebel. And if that doesn't conjure up images for you, you have to go back to First Kings. See, right. so it's there. It's a uh, he says, but to the rest, I say that word rest in your Bible is the word for remnant. It's in eleven thirteen where the remnant repent and give glory to God in the wake right. of the earthquake right after the story of the two witnesses. Okay. And then in 1217, that's the final and probably the most impressive passage on the remnant in 1217. And how it contributes to our identity, it shows us two things. Number one, it shows us that the people of God in the end time mm -hmm. are in continuity with the people of God starting in the Old Testament. That's why the idea of keeping the commandments... Right. is made prominent. I see. Because commandment keeping is a way of urging covenant loyalty upon the people of God, starting all the way in the Old Testament and working through to the New. Correct. The other piece about it is that it also contributes to our identity by showing, though, that this is a Christian group. Right. They have the faith of Jesus. Correct. 
So, so some scholars have looked at this passage and say, well, oh, it refers to Jews. But in fact, when we look at 1217, the way it contributes to identity, it shows us that God's end-time people are a faithful people who love Christ. They have the horizontal dimension of Correct. their faith, but they also have the ethical dimension. Because right. when we say commandment-keeping, we're talking about not only our love for God, but our love for each other. And that's where you're going to do a presentation this afternoon. That's ethics. correct. A couple of hours we're going to spend in discussing and sharing on that area. One last one, because you've gone pretty rapidly here. And I'm by the way, to, trying uh, to finish it, in seven minutes. You've done seven really, is a perfect number. That's here. correct. <laughs> And okay. just incidentally, isn't your dissertation, have you sent it in now? Yeah, I sent it in this week. He sent it in this week. He has <laughs> finished it. It has been sent in now. It's done. It's done. And the next step is the oral defense. Oral defense. So that's uh, the last step. One last quick question okay, then. Sure. What is the future of those people who believe we must be faithful to God? Where does this all end? Where does it le- take oh. us? Okay, it gets worse before it gets better. All right. That's the testimony of the book of Revelation. Mm. 12.17 is illustrated in 13 and 14, the, the, the fortunes of the people of God. Right. It says that the dragon was what, everybody? Wrath. Wrath. That's King James Version. If you use the NIV, was angry. Mm. You see, that word oriste means enraged, hateful. He hated the remnant. And he went out to make war with them mm-hmm. against the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Well, he needs help to do that. So how does he do that? Chapter 13 tells you the story. He goes to the ocean, he stands by the seashore, and he calls up help to help him in his war against the people of God. Uh-huh. He calls up the dragon, the sea beast, and he calls up the land beast. Wow. This is the dragon. Right. And this false trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, make war on the people of mm-hmm. God. Okay. That's what we're in for. But that's the bad news before the good news. Right. Because by the time you get to chapter 14 and 15 and 15 too, you see the people of God now who had refused the mark of the beast standing on the sea of glass with the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Right. The victory song. The victory song. That's right. Praise the Lord. Beautiful message. You know, I should just about let you go ahead and do the rest of the sermon. <laughs> no, no, no. I came, I came to listen to that. Okay. To well, thank you so much, Dr. Pollard. Thank you. It, thank has you. it been an encouragement to you? Amen. Yes, there are in our 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 community right here people who are digging deeply into the word who love the Lord and I want to encourage you listen learn and I know that your studies will encourage us on our way to the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you very much. May I sit with my wife now? Yes sir, you may join for prudence. That's a prudent choice. <laughs>